Well, hello. How are you? Good. I'm doing well. Thank you. It is good to see you all again. Kind of makes me want to dance. Even though I can't dance. I'm still trying to figure out when to clap in that Psalm 23 song. I really missed you guys. Israel sends her greetings. The land is still holy, I'm glad to report. The past two weeks there were just, once again, amazing. Our, our next trip will be about a year from now if you're interested in coming along. Never too soon to begin praying and planning and saving. The dates uh, won't be final until August, but Lord willing, the trip will be two weeks long and we'll leave soon after Memorial Day next May into early June. I'd love to take you all one day. So if you've ever wanted to experience God's Word where it all began, really, maybe next spring is the time that God has in store for you. I hope so. Let me know if you're even interested, and we'll make sure and keep you in the loop as those details of the trip come together later this fall. But it's great to be back to family. Amen? My immediate family, of course, but you all too. And every time I come back from Israel, and man, it's been close to two dozen times now, but every every time I come back, I bring with me a few things in particular that God especially impresses on me and in me during that time in Israel. And so for the next few weeks, I thought I'd share one of those things with you. You see our upcoming summer schedule on the screen. Next week is Father's Day, and I am so excited. Our women's ministry is leading us in praise and worship and message. It's going to be great. Don't miss it. I know I won't. Men, come hear what God has put on our women's hearts about fathers. We'll learn something valuable from their perspective, I'm sure. And then, beginning July 12, we're in for a real treat. Two of the most influential teachers in my life will be here for a summer series of sorts. Doctors Craig Blomberg and Doug Grotheis from Denver Seminary will be here. Two incredibly gifted teachers and preachers you won't want to miss. And then, what better way to bring on the new school year and the children's musical? Is it Surfing with Jesus? Is that what it is? Surfing Jesus' Way? Well, it's Jesus and surfing. You can't go wrong with that. Great stuff God has in store for us. God is indeed good. Amen? Please turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 15. Exodus chapter 15. Exodus chapter 15. Exodus chapter 15. Now, it used, to be, it used to be when God's Word was brought out to be read, the gathered people of God erupted into singing and dancing. That's just a little different than your reaction this morning. Which was more like, what in heaven's name is he doing? Somewhere along the way, that custom, that tradition was lost obviously. 
I wonder why. In Jesus' day, here's how it used to be, as near as we can tell. The head of the synagogue, someone called the Hazan, say Hazan. The Hazan would go to a closet in the corner of the synagogue where the scrolls of Scripture were kept, aptly named a Torah closet, and he would pull back the curtain covering the scrolls, the curtain there reminding everyone of that curtain in front of the Holy of Holies in God's temple, remember? The Ark of the Covenant behind there containing the Ten Commandments, God's Word. And the Hazan would pull back the curtain, get the scroll containing that passage of Scripture for the day, and then he would take that scroll and lift it high over his head. And as soon as that scroll was high over his head, in Jesus' day, the people began singing and dancing with delight and joy, anticipating that, oh my goodness, God's words were soon going to be read. And the Hazan would then pass through among the people with the scroll held high, everybody singing and dancing. And then you're not going to believe it, when the scroll got near enough to where the people were, the people would reach out, they'd touch the scroll with their fingertips, and then touch their fingertips to their lips as a reminder of that amazing picture in God's Word, that His Word is sweeter than honey. And the joy of God's Word in the midst of His people, the eager expectation that they were about to hear from God Himself, well, words can hardly describe it. And somewhere along the way, that custom that tradition, that feeling of joy even, was lost. And I wonder why. I don't think it's because we don't sing or dance with joy anymore. Because we do. We sing and dance on joyous occasions, weddings, for example. We still sing in church as part of praise and worship at least, and there's joy there too. But for some reason, we're not as inclined at least to sing and dance specifically in anticipation of God's Word being read. In fact, I wonder if we even feel anymore a sense of joy or, oh, I can't wait, anticipation, when God's Word is about to be read. It's no longer, you know, a joyous occasion. Why not, I wonder? Where has the joyful singing, dancing, or even feeling or anticipation gone over the reading of God's Word? Where's it gone? There's one word in particular that I bring back with me again from Israel this year. And that word is obedience. Now, I'm curious. Let me ask you. Let me ask you. When you hear that word, obedience, how does that word make you feel? What's your gut response to that word, obedience? Feel like singing and dancing when you hear it? 
I wonder if part of the reason at least we no longer sing and dance when God's Word is presented is because we know God's Word requires our obedience, and obedience just isn't something we're inclined to sing and dance about. Webster's defines obedience this way. Obedience means to comply with or be submissive to authority. Now there's a definition begging to be disliked. Compliance and submission doesn't exactly trigger in us a desire to sing and dance, does it? Not exactly. I heard a story once of a professor leading a seminar on Christian counseling in a room full of Christian experts in the pastoral care field. He wrote on a flip chart the following from a potential candidate for Christian counseling. I can't do anything by myself. I can only do what my dad tells me to do. He then asked the folks in the room to analyze the man who said this as part of their seminar on counseling. And the professor got the expected responses among them. This person obviously has no willpower. He's clearly codependent. This person suffers from poor self-esteem. This person needs to grow a spine and get a life. I bet he still lives at home. He needs to get out from under his dad's shadow and become his own person. And the like. Then the professor revealed the identity of the man. It's Jesus. Jesus said that in John 5:19, I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. Those responses during that counseling seminar to Jesus' words is typical for how today's society, especially here in the West, views the issues of independence and individuality. We don't like anyone telling us what to do. And for us, as captured by Webster's, obedience has come to mean just that, doing something, doing what someone tells us to do. And it goes against our DNA, our American DNA especially, because have you ever considered our country, our country was founded specifically because someone tried to tell us what to do. America is here because a king tried to tell us what to do, and we said no. And then along comes the Bible, and we learn that Jesus is our king. And our cultural notions of independence and individuality and rights balk at king and being commanded what to do. And long before America, there once was a garden. And God told two people they could eat anything they wanted in the garden except from one tree, just one. And Adam and Eve said, in effect, to God, you can't tell us what to do. 
our difficulty with obedience runs very, very deep, and it's very, very old. And so I wonder if that plays a part in our, in our not really wanting to sing and dance or are not feeling joy when God's Word is trotted out. The Bible calls for obedience and we bristle rather than break dance at obedience. At someone telling us what to do. Probably why most churches now no longer read the Ten Commandments as a matter of course anymore. There's another loaded word for us, commandments. Our nature resists being commanded, being obedient. And we conclude it's not seeker-sensitive somehow, and we should keep those quiet. So maybe we need to start over when it comes to that word obedience. I don't doubt for a second that Daniel Webster in his dictionaries has indeed captured what obedience has come to mean in our culture. Compliance and submission. But I'd like to suggest another definition for obedience. It's one we'll tease out a bit over the next several weeks. For this morning, I'd like to suggest a different definition of obedience. In a word, obedience means freedom. Now, my fellow Americans, are we closer to singing and dancing over the word freedom than we are over the word obedience? I know I am. But, you might ask, how on earth is obedience freedom? Our cultural definition of obedience pushes in the opposite direction from freedom, doesn't it? We've been indoctrinated, really, into thinking and feeling that obeying means giving up freedom. But you know what? Obedience actually brings us freedom. How so? Obedience gives us freedom because obeying God's Word frees us up from trying to figure it out ourselves. Obedience is freedom, freedom from trying to figure it all out ourselves, and I would add messing it all up ourselves. God is more than our King. He is the one who lovingly made us, and the one who made us knows us through and through, and so he knows what's best for us. Why not, why not trust the one who made us to know what's best for us, and why not be freed from trying to figure it out all on our own? Put that burden down. It's heavy. Let God be God and rejoice and sing and dance that He gave us His guide for living. I mean, who has a better chance of knowing what's going on? You and me or, or God? We don't have to try to figure it all out ourselves. He's figured it out. And he's written his guide all down. And even through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, taken his guide and placed it, placed him within us to guide and to comfort and counsel on how to do this thing called life. Follow his lead. Our Heavenly Father truly knows best. Free ourselves from trying to figure it all out on our own. Remember, God's motive for giving us His guide. It's not so He can be the boss of us. He's not on some power trip. It's because He truly wants what's best for us. Be careful to obey, God says in Deuteronomy. Why? So that you may enjoy long life. 
and so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey. For I know the plans I have for you, God says in Jeremiah, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. That's why he gives us the guide to free us from trying to figure it all out ourselves. Obedience is freedom from trying to figure it all out ourselves. God doesn't call us to obedience to punish us. He doesn't call us to obey to take the fun out of living. To the contrary, God is trying to make our lives truly joyful by taking away the burden of responsibility of trying to get it right by ourselves, which we can't do on our own anyway. Obedience is freedom from the burden of trying to get it right on our own. Maybe your Bibles are still open to Exodus 15. Your bulletins list Exodus 16, but that's a misprint. (laughs) I laughed this morning when I saw the misprint. I went and looked up Exodus 16, verse 20, and it's about smelly manna with maggots. First I was thinking, oops, that verse doesn't have anything to do with today. But then I realized the manna turned rotten. Why did the manna turn rotten? Israelites didn't obey. So maybe it works after all this morning. Obedience also frees you from maggots in your manna. What I intended was what I intended was Exodus 15:20. Exodus 15:20 among my new favorite verses in the Bible. The Israelites have just passed through the Dead Sea and the Egyptians have perished behind them. And it's time for song and dance. And it says, Then Miriam the prophetess, Aaron's sister, took a tambourine in her hand, and all the women followed her with tambourines and dancing, even as they're on their way to Sinai to get the law. I just love that verse. Here's one angle into why. Think of it. The the children of Israel, they're in a mad dash to get out of Egypt. Quick! Quick! They're packing up their things quickly before Pharaoh changes his mind again. You can see them ransacking through their little houses and huts. You know, only taking what they can carry with them. Water. Imagine they're packing necessities only. And Miriam and even all the women, it says, grab their tambourines. What a thing to take along. They pack their tambourines. Why? Did they expect to dance? Well, they must have. Why take tambourines otherwise? They're running for, I'm running for my life. Oh, I'm going to need that tambourine. Where did it? Nope, can't go yet, Moses. Got to go right. Got to go get my tambourine. And the Bible is full of people of God singing and dancing over the freedom that trusting in God and obeying Him brings. Psalm 119, for example, where in every one of its 176 verses, did you know? In every one of its verses, there is a reference, a word to God's law, statute, decree, command, in all 176 verses, can you imagine? Isn't that remarkable? And many of those verses, in fact, the tone of the entire psalm is captured in verses like, Psalm 119, 24, your statutes are my delight. 
They are my counselors, or verse 105. Your word is a, a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Praising God for the freedom, the delightful freedom of obedience, of being freed from trying to figure it out on our own. Or how about 2 Samuel 6.14, where David danced before the Lord with all his might. When the Ark of the Covenant containing the Ten Commandments, God's Word returns to Israel. Now, let's go back to the synagogue in Jesus' day. The Hazan appears with the scroll held high above his head. And singing and dancing erupts as God's Word appears. Oh, praise God! He gave us His guide for living. Oh, praise God. What if he hadn't given it to us? We wouldn't have a clue. We wouldn't know square one for how to live in a way that's best for us. Not a clue. But not to worry. There it is. God's words. He gave it to us. There's a Baptist among us this morning. Praise God. He gave us His words. 1,189 chapters. 31,173 verses. 774,746 words in English. He gave us all 3.5 million letters. I counted them. Oh, thank God for the freedom obedience to His Word brings. We don't have to try to figure out what's going on in this chaotic world anymore. Oh, praise God. And they sing and they dance and they break out among God's people. And even the sight of the scroll containing God's Word. Woohoo! Amen. And now it's our turn. West Bowles, 2,000 years later. And it's our turn today, too. We get to end our service today with a reading from God's Word. I'm not even going to tell you what it is. What's he going to read? What's God going to have for us today? But we're going to do it with singing and dancing in anticipation. Are you up for it? Will you give it a try? Okay, first. I need to teach you a song to sing. Okay, as the band comes up to help us out, the song is a line from Psalm 133. It's a song that celebrates the community of God's people living and dwelling together in obedience to God. There's really only one line to the song. It goes, Behold how good, how very good and fitting it is when brothers and sisters dwell together in unity. God gives us a huge boost in our striving for obedience. Do you know what the boost is? Look next to you. We're each other's boost. He gives us us. He gives us each other to help each other, encourage each other, run hard with each other. Can't do it alone. So the line is, Behold how good and fitting it is. When brothers and sisters dwell together, not just sit there in their house, look at us dwelling together, live together 
in partnership, husbands and wives, boyfriends and girlfriends, brothers and sisters, friends and friends, running hard together. But you know what? The English is way too easy for us to sing, so I thought, you know what? Let's sing it in the language Jesus would have sung it in in his day. Want to learn a little Hebrew? Good. You don't have a choice. Now, P.S., P.S., did Jesus really sing this song in his day? Okay, he knew Psalm 133 by heart. And their practice in synagogue was to sing the psalms. The word psalms literally means singing prayers. And the Bible tells us that Jesus participated in synagogues all the time. So yes, I'd say chances are really, really good that Jesus sang the words I'm about to teach you directly from Psalm 133. The melody has probably shifted over the years. So why not, why not in his earthly language, at least of Hebrew this morning? Want to give a shot? Okay, you see the words on the screen. Now let's speak the words responsibly first so you get the feel of them on your tongue. Okay? Say after me. Hene matov. Uma naim. Shevet ahim gam yachad. Excellent. And that translates roughly, behold how good and fitting it is when brothers and sisters dwell together in unity. We do that twice. Then we'll get to the chorus. Just speak it after me, please. Hene matov. Hene matov. And then there's ten of these. Kind of Hawaiian. Only it's not lay, it's lie. Lie, 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 lie. Good. A rough English equivalent translation is lie, 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 lie. Or maybe doo-wop, doo-wop. I don't know. Something like that. All right. Now, here's the melody. And we're going to sing it through, uh, we'll just sing it through once. Okay? So you do the top two lines, for, uh, repeat those. And then you do the bottom two lines. We'll sing it through a couple of times to practice. And then we're going to put it all together in one big closing singing, dancing romp. All right? All right. So here's how it goes. Am I singing it? You start out, and then I'll (laughs) join in. That's not what we agreed earlier, though. I know. Well, I didn't know where to. I didn't know no, where to jump. I could try in. it. I just may mess it up. Lie, 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 and then did you give me that line? I didn't even hear it. Okay, go ahead. Okay, now guys. Everybody, lie, 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 lie. Hey, men. Everybody, lie, 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 lie. Back to the top. One more time in the chorus. Men. 
来来来来来来来来来来，天内马冲，天内马冲，来来来来来来来来来来 ，OK， good。Are you practiced up? All right. Now I'm missing one thing. Are there? Yes, the dancing. I, I'm not going to have you practice the dancing because you probably you might use up all that you've got. So save it. The, one thing I'm missing: Are there any Miriams this morning that packed their tambourines and instruments along to church? Let me hear you. Wow! What are the chances of that this morning? <laughs> That's extraordinary. <laughs> Miriam, come on up here and just join. Just bond. if you've got that instrument, you know what? I need two more Miriams. Who else? What? Yeah, you guys just hang out at the bottom of the stairs here. I'll join you in a minute. Okay, I need two more Miriams. Two girls. Okay. All right, Ann. Do you want to play sticks or cymbals? Sticks. All right. If you could, yeah. Anybody play? Okay. And then I need one more. I need one more. Yeah, if you're a girl, no, you gotta be a girl, man. The <laughs> Miriam, the Miriam thing. Ah, Cammy, thing. Okay. It's a big symbol. Yeah, don't, don't, not, not like the monkey. Okay. All right. Okay. Now. All right. In a minute, that Hazan, I get to be Hazan. Will appear with the word of God held high over his head. Hang it. You see that singing and dancing almost erupted. No. <laughs> and as he lifts that scroll, God's people—you get to be God's people. You will jump to your feet. Well, you're already on your feet. You'll stay on your feet. And if you like, singing and dancing is going to break out. So help us, God, into and up and down the aisles. I know. And I almost forgot. I almost forgot. As our, as our, as the Hassan comes, the little procession comes singing and dancing amongst your singing and dancing. If you like, you can touch God's word, touch your lips as a reminder that God's. Words are as sweet as honey, and you can't wait to hear from them. Because now, listen, we're not just doing something. I'm really going to bring the scroll out to read you something from a portion of it. Ah, and it's right here. You don't know what it is yet. You want to hear what God has to say for us today in terms of how to do this thing called life? All right. Now, okay. Now, this one. Singing and dancing and carrying on in church—I know it's beyond our comfort zone. Many of us, for many of us, okay, believe me, for me too. I can't even tell you, me too. I can't believe I'm going to do this. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Hear the words of the prophet Isaiah. Not the other guy, Jeremiah. <laughs> Jeremiah is talking about the restoration of Israel from captivity, salvation, and redemption. Really. And he says again, "My people, you will take up your tambourines, and you will go out to dance with the joyful. 
Then maidens will dance and be glad. And here it comes, men. Young men and old as well. There's no exception for you. You get to dance too. And how about this command from Psalm 150? Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise God in His sanctuary and praise Him with tambourine, cymbal, all manner of instruments, and praise Him with dancing. Not my words, but the very words of God. So what do you say, West Bulls? You want to give it a try? Ooh, yeah. All right, me too. Wait a minute. All right. This kind of looks like a closet, right? Okay, sir. Okay. Synagogue would start. People would be milling around. Hello, Jacob. Hello, Miriam. Here you are. So you're milling around. And then when it's time... Yeah, you do this part really well. And then when it's time, the Hazan, the Hazan would go and get the very words of God. He would come out. God. Woo!
On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to live? What must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? Jesus replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. The very words of God. Amen? Obedience is so much more than compliance and submission and doing what someone tells you to do. Among the other things it is, is it is freedom from the burden of trying to walk life's path and figuring it out on our own. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for giving us the priceless gift of your words, your guide on how truly to live life to its fullest and its best. Thanks for sharing that with us in a land that can be, in a life that often is dry and thirsty and full of rocks. Thanks for giving us this lamp to light our way. Brothers and sisters in Christ, receive God's benediction his good words. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you his peace.
peace, His shalom. And in Jesus' name, all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Have, Have a great week. I love you guys. See you on Father's Day. God bless you all.